It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio. This is the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and filling in for Phil Emery tonight, uh, our co-host of the Song Talk Meetup and singer-songwriter, Sherry Jacoby. How are you, Sherry? Hey, I'm good. Happy to be here. Glad to have you on the podcast again. It's been a long while since you've been uh, with us on the podcast. I think I think last time was in the before times, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I was actually just looking back at that. I think it was 2021. It okay, was jellyfish so it was, interrupted. Oh, that's right. Um, we did do a jellyfish yeah, jellyfish interrupted. So so full disclosure, Sherry and I are in a band yeah. together called Jerry, yes. Jellyfish Interrupted, which um, we haven't done anything in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, for our listeners, please send your comments and questions to at Song Talk Radio on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or feedback at songtalk.ca, and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And please visit us, songtalk.ca, to see the show post for this episode, to find links to resources we mentioned, and to download lyric and chord sheets to follow along with the songs that we feature, which you're certainly going to want to do tonight. <clears throat> tonight. We are happy to welcome back to the show Susan Catanio, award-winning singer-songwriter and music educator at Berklee School of Music in Boston. And tonight we're going to be talking about two of Susan's favorite songs and what makes them so great. Welcome back to Song Talk Radio, Susan. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for glad having to me. Have you back? And thank you so much for for joining us. And um, yeah, I know, I know that uh, you know we we we've done this this format of a show where we've you know featured um, a, a long established songwriter on the show, He's been writing songs for a long time, and has a very deep knowledge um, of which Susan is definitely checks those boxes um, to get their take on what they think are two like really really great songs and songs that. Are, are worthy of study, right? As as songwriters, you know, as as students of songwriting, lifelong students that we are, we want to make sure that you know we hear some of those classic songs um, that um, that that really have have something to to teach us. Because um, the the two songs you picked, Susan, are are of are of a previous generation, mm-hmm. and. I, I, I guess I guess my first question for you is just to, to slant it a little bit and think, did, did you contemplate any contemporary songs or did you automatically go back to picking two songs that were kind of classics? Well, I think that the reason why I didn't choose modern songs is because I kind of feel like these were the people that did this kind of thing for the first time. You know, we, we've only been like in the rock and roll world of music, you know, since um, since Rock Around the Clock, right, mm-hmm. which came out in the 1950s. Right. Mm-hmm. And so rock music and contemporary music and as it developed into pop music has really had a short life. It, it started in the 50s, you know, kind of exploded with Elvis and um, and we kind of haven't looked back. And I, I like to go back to the ones who were the first ones to do it because I think that they didn't have a template. You know, if you look at somebody like somebody who I love right now is Harry Styles. I think Harry Styles Mm -hmm. is a wonderful, wonderful songwriter. And he uses a lot of these techniques that now seem like, well, of course, 
You know, of course, his chorus mentions the hook three times, or of course, his chorus uses internal rhyme or does something called prosody where it, it the lyrics are matching what the emotional content of the song is. But who is the first person that actually did that? Because I think that that is where my interest is, because I think that, you know, that those were like the pioneers of the music that we hear today. So that's why I didn't choose a more modern artist. That's what kind of went old school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I also had the thought that maybe you need, you know, at least a couple of decades to really have the perspective on a song to say that this is really something that's longstanding. Like, is anyone going to be referencing Harry Styles 25, 30 years from now? Maybe. Maybe because he's a really good songwriter. So yeah, Yeah. maybe, you know, somebody else, um, I'm trying to think who else is really great. Um, You know, a lot of the really wonderful songwriters, songwriters are actually writing for others. So I have a student for a former student of mine named Amy Allen, who has written for Harry Styles and has written for Mm -hmm. Selena Gomez and has written for Justin Bieber. And, you know, so she's incorporating a lot of the techniques that we teach at Berkeley now into pop music. So all of her songs are really good because she's a really good writer. So, yeah, but I, I, you know, I, it's funny because I love, I obviously, I love kind of modern music as well. Um, but there's a different focus now, I think, since people started making their own tracks and people started becoming kind of mini producers, at-home producers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, maybe less of an emphasis on lyric and more of an emphasis on rhythm and the what we call the musical bed, which is cool and awesome. But that's actually probably a different kind of discussion because then you would talk about like, how do you build a track? You know, how do you, and that that's different than like looking at the actual song by itself alone. You know, um, a really mm-hmm. good example, Bruno Mars's um, Grenade, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that song. I love yep. that song. Really it's awesome. <laughs> there is a version of him doing that song with just a guitar and a keyboard player. Mm. And it's like one of these like live things. Go and check it out because it's proof that Grenade has all the bells and whistles of a modern pop music. It's got, you know, multiple harmony levels. It's got doubling of the lead vocal. It's got, um, you know, uh, it's synth buried in there. It's got like probably multiple drum tracks. It's been sweetened. You know, it's got compression on it. But when you hear him sing it live, it's actually just a really good song all by itself. <laughs> so for me, some of these older songs, they're kind of stripped bare and mm-hmm. you can't hide. You can't hide behind great production when you only have guitar vocal or you only have, you know, guitar, drums, bass and vocal. So that's okay, another reason why the chose yeah. I chose these songs. So that makes sense. I love the stripped down versions of really produced pop songs. Such a great feeling to hear the acoustic version. And sometimes it's even stronger. Oh my God. Well, as I said, like check out Bruno Mars singing Grenade. It's so good. You're like, oh my God, this is a great song, (laughs) even without all of that other stuff on it. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But but like you say, the modern sensibility tends to, people dig that stuff. They They dig the beat. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's serving a different purpose, right? So it's, we're in like a a kind of a time musically where, you know, it's about kind of like moving your body to music, 
a lot mm-hmm. of pop music is about kind of like rhythms and feeling it in your body. And I think as a result of that being so present, sometimes the lyric kind of is almost irrelevant, not irrelevant because I love lyrics. So for me, lyric are important, but I think they're, they're not as important as the groove right now. Mm-hmm. So, which, which makes me wonder how Adele gets away with like piano vocal. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. doesn't fit that formula at all. No, not at all. <laughs> it really right. harkens back yeah. to a, to an earlier, an earlier right. thing, but yeah. anyway. okay. So let, let's get into the first, um, the first selection of yours. Uh, we'll start, we start with the Joni Mitchell. Okay, sure. Yeah. Canadian content? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, Canadian, Canadian right? Of course, <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so how do you want to start? Like, how do, how do you want to do this? Well, the, you the, the, to... why don't you, Susan, uh, tell us a little bit about why you picked this song and, and, okay. and what it means to you and, and what makes it so great. Okay. All right. So there are lots of things. There's so many things in this song. And the song first is, of first of all. The song <laughs> is called... The song is called Little Green, which is on an album by Joni Mitchell called Blue, um, which I had, uh, you know, on CD. And I there I just think it's it's kind of a masterpiece. It's kind of one of my favorite albums. Um, And this song, it's a little song, right? It's not it's not a big, long anthemic song. Um, but what I love about it is, first of all, I love songs that have a story behind them. So I love for me, like, that's like one of my favorite things when a songwriter is like, I'm like, how, why did you write the song? What's the story? Why did you write this? Mm -hmm. And so Joni Mitchell, um, at one point, uh, got pregnant. She was not married and she had a baby and gave it up for adoption. Mm -hmm. And the baby is was is named Kelly. So little green is from Kelly Green. Mm. That's why that's the title of the song. So I love that aspect of it. And it's about a woman making a choice to give up a child for adoption and and hopefully for a different and better life than she could have felt like she could have given her. So as a woman, I, I really think this song is super powerful. Um, when we get to like the technological. So when I look at songs, when I, we, I kind of, we call it analyzing a song. When I analyze a song, I'm looking for lots of different things. I'm looking for, you know, what is the melody of the song? What are the chords of the song? What is the structure of the song? So when I say structure, it means what is the song form? Is it a verse chorus? Is it a verse refrain? Is it a verse pre-chorus chorus? And then within that, what is happening to make the song magical and musical? So for me, so Little Green is a really interesting song because um, the title little green is located not only in a refrain position, meaning it's at the end of the verses, but it's also in the chorus section. So we have her repeating little green one, two, three, four, five, six, like it's, it's in there like 10 times. So we know mm-hmm. that what the song title is, it's brought really clearly to the forefront. Um, and then she does this really, really amazing thing. 
And that is she uses internal rhyme. So internal rhyme is when you have a rhyme occurring within the line, right? And so like the rapper Eminem, for example, does uses a lot of internal rhyme in his flow. Um, and what internal rhyme does usually is it creates like a knit kind of feel the song because it, it when you have an end rhyme, so da 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 car, da 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 bar, as the listener, you feel like, huh. I'm resolved. I feel good. There's no mm. tension. It didn't build up anything for me. It was like bar and then it was car. I don't need to worry about that at all. And what happens with internal rhyme is that it um it kind of puts the rhyme in a different place than you expect it to be. So in that example, da 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 car, da 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 star, da 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 da. And you're like, "Oh, wait. I heard a connection in there that was unusual and I, and that's what this song does throughout. So I'm going to kind of talk the lyric, I guess is kind of a good way to do it. Or, uh, you know, anyway, the first line is born with the moon and cancer choose her a name. She will answer to. So mm -hmm. we have cancer and answer to. And so does this little, like this, this little thing where you kind of feel like it's resolved, but it keeps going. Right. Mm -hmm. And then call her green and the winters cannot fade her call her green for the children who made her little green be a gypsy dancer. So then, so dancer, huh? Dancer rhymes with cancer, dancer, which yeah. was the thing that we started uh, with. Yeah. So it's this beautiful thing where like cancer rhymes with answer and then we have these other two lines will fade her, made her dancer. So it's this beautifully self-contained verse. And what's cool about this for all you songwriters out there is that you could actually chart this out on a piece of paper and write a song using this same rhyme technique. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. It's really different. Um, some, another song that has that in it, just a little side thing, Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan does the mm. same thing. Has like an internal rhyme occurring right before the Tangled Up in Blue. It's super innovative and, and not what you expect. Mm -hmm. Um, then we have second verse. He went to California hearing that everything's warmer there. So California and warmer. We're hearing the AR of that. And then, so you write him a letter, say her eyes are blue. He sends you a poem and she's lost to you, little green. He's a nonconformer, California warmer. It just does the same thing. And a lot of songwriters, they'll get a really cool verse one. And then verse two totally abandons all of that and just does something completely new and different. <laughs> and this is good songwriting because it follows the same pattern. And yet to me, doesn't feel boring. Mm -hmm. um, then we get to one of my favorite choruses of all time, right? So we have the title Little Green. And so what, what is Little Green? So Little Green is obviously a little girl in this song. But then she uses metaphor to describe what Little Green is in such, oh, for me, like, oh, my God. Listen to this chorus. So just a little green, like the color when the spring is born. I mean, 
That's great. There'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow. So crocuses tomorrow. Keep that in mind, rhyme-wise. Just a little green, like the nights when the northern lights perform. The northern lights perform. They're not just shining. They're performing. And then there'll be icicles and birthday clothes, and sometimes there'll be sorrow. So we have icicles, which goes with birthday clothes, because we get the zzzz of those two Mm -hmm. things. And we had... Crocuses to school tomorrow, uh, sometimes there'll be sorrow. Hmm. So it just like it holds together like this beautifully, for me, like beautifully knitted, knitted songwriting lesson, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, for me, another thing that I love is really just it's a it's a story song, right? Or it's a it's a song that Ha, has movement through it. So we we go through the the I guess the the terrible and difficult decision that Joni Mitchell had to make, right? Mm. So we describe the child in who she is in verse 1 and verse 2. And then in the middle section, um Joni talks about uh the 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 hus- the the father of the child and um she says um uh, where is it? Wait, where is it? Oh, no, she writes him a letter. That's also in verse, verse two. And then verse three, we get her perspective. And I think for me, this is like super touching. She goes child with a child pretending. So she mm-hmm. is the child who has a child pretending mm-hmm. weary of lies you were sending home. So pretending, sending home, get the same thing. Cool. So you sign all the papers in the family name. You're sad and you're sorry, but you're not ashamed of little green. Have a happy ending. So pretending, sending, happy ending. And then we go to the chorus again. So for me, like this is just, I love the way it's constructed. I love the fact I'm a very, myself personally, I love songs that have strong visuals and uh so this song has that it has so many strong visuals in it i also love songs that are you know i get a lot of students who say hey you know i don't want to write anything specific because i want my song i want everyone to be able to relate to my song so i'm going to be as generic as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> and i am uh, not yeah. a big i'm not <laughs> a big fan of that because i think that what happens is that the more generic you are, the less opportunity you have to paint a picture for your listener and to give them a chance to walk into your world. I, I think of songs like it's like a Star Trek holodeck, you know, where there's like a door and you open into and you step into somebody's song. And I want to be able to see stuff. And if I see stuff, I can put myself in their shoes and experience that song for them. So this song does that, I think, in a beautiful way. It really like there's so many details in here. I, I just love, you know, we know what year she's born because she's she was born with the moon and cancer. Like we know that about her. We know that uh, her the the father of her father went to California, Joni Mitchell's baby daddy. Um and then as I said, going back to the little green, the color when the spring is born, uh, like the night when the northern lights perform. I mean, it's just like, it's just a little green, right? 
when you think of the Northern Lights, it's not like green. It's like just <laughs> just a little green yeah. in the sky. And I just, I think like that is a beautiful way. So another thing for songwriters is to think about like, if you were going, so, so these things uh, are, sorry, they're similes. So it's like just little green, like the color when the spring is born, right? Like, 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 so we're similes. So if you had a title, what could you say it's like? That could be a way to build a chorus, right? So, you know, um, I hate you. Like, like the way that the sun hates the rain. That's a very lame answer, but like, <laughs> like something else, Do you know what I mean? So you can use simile in your chorus in the same way that Joni Mitchell did um, and come up with like a really cool way to kind of describe whatever your title is. Mm. Um, and I guess that that's like, for me, the beauty of songs and songwriting is that you know, I can take someone's song that I really admire and be like, what is the magic there? How can I take some of the DNA of that song and use it in my own way to make my own version of this and have mm-hmm. it do some of the same magical tricks that that this song does? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm all about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that that's a really tremendous analysis. <laughs> is that too much? Uh, no, Did no, that's too much? absolutely. <laughs> it was not great. Because, well, it, it's great because there is a lot, a lot to it, and 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 it's and it's and it's interesting that you point out those things because, like, I had never heard this song before you sent it to us, and you know, and and I've always found um, Joni Mitchell to be a, a, like you say, a very fascinating and unique songwriter as a few songs that I've heard with like these really, really interesting melodies. And, and I, and, and to, I'll be honest, I didn't notice the rhyme scheme in, in this thing, but now that you pointed out, it is really interesting because you can only imagine if everything was perfectly rhymed at the end of each line, it would come across much more positive and much more sure and much more, you know, totally. much more poppy, which, which would, in a prosody sense, would not reflect the content of the song. So right. it's the sort of move that, that you know, you, the, the, the way that the language is crafted, the way the melodies are crafted, all points towards the the emotional content of the song. And that's very evident and strong. And, and, and it, even if you don't recognize consciously those details, they are there. Yeah. And, if it, and if it was perfectly rhymed, you wouldn't get the same feeling. Right. Well, and... The other thing I think, and it, that's totally, I, I'm totally into like what you said, because I think for me, by having this internal rhyme that like continues on, it's like a tag every single time we mm-hmm. say the rhyme, but then we keep going. It gives this feeling of lingering. I mm-hmm. don't know. That's how I, f- I feel like the song, like we're, we're lingering it, in it this moment. You hanging. It does. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't resolve. Yeah. And it, you certainly have this sense of, you know, uh, someone's decision, how difficult that must have been. I don't feel like she was like, well, bye. <laughs> nice knowing you. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> here's my baby. Take my baby. Bye. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I really get the sense of like a, a woman's regret, a, a woman's um, kind of longing for knowing that she cannot provide the kind of life for her that she would want to. And but still still tied to her. And I guess that they reconnected, uh, uh, you know, when when Kelly yeah. got older and 
you know, they're in touch now, which is, which is good. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sherry. Oh, I was just going to say, that's what really touched me about the song. I think the tension of just the sorrow of it. And she literally mentions the word sorrow and just how hard it was for her, but also the beauty of it, this hope of a happy ending and knowing that maybe it's for the best that she could have a better life. Um, but then the incredible sadness, like she holds that tension really beautifully. Yeah. Lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's take a listen uh, to little green by Joni Mitchell. And then um, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Choose her a name she will answer to Call her green and the winters cannot fade her Call her green for the children who've made her little green Be a gypsy dancer Everything's warmer there So you write him a letter and say Her eyes are blue He sends you a poem And she's lost to you Little green He's a non-conformer Just a little green Like the color when the spring is born There'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow Just a little green like the nights when the northern lights perform There'll be icicles and birthday clothes And sometimes there'll be sore Child with a child pretending Weary of lies you are sending home So you sign all the papers in the family name You're sad and you're sorry but you're not ashamed A little green Have a happy ending a little green like the color when the spring is born there'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow just a little green like the nights when the northern lights perform there'll be icicles and birthday clothes and sometimes there'll be so
Okay, that was Little Green by Joni Mitchell. And I just like, we didn't even talk about melody and we didn't even Mm. talk about tuning. You know, she's playing an open G. There's a lot of like sus chords that don't resolve. And then there's, you know, the fact that she's built the chorus in odd number of lines, just a little green, like the color when the spring is born. So we have little green, tiny line, two long lines, just a little green. And the highest point in the song, which is normally the chorus is actually in the back half of the verse. Mm. So that's really different and really interesting. So I'm sorry, we're not even, we didn't even talk about that, but, but yeah. explore that too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, 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 I'll be honest, that, that, that's the thing that's always fascinated me about jo- Joni Mitchell is the the attention to detail in the melodies and how they're so unique and so interesting. But I'll be honest, I do find, I, I, I do like her uh, songs that are more highly structured. This song, mm-hmm is is very kind of meandering and like you say like lines kind of extend and lines are shorter and it's kind of it's a lot looser in terms mm-hmm. of the in terms of the patterns in terms of the structure you know, there there is you know a, a high degree of repetition there but you know i i tend to prefer the ones that are more highly mm-hmm. highly, highly structured um that being said the the melodies are still fascinating she's got such an expansive range and and you're right she doesn't put the money notes exactly where you'd expect them they're kind of Mm-mm. they're consistent but they're in unexpected locations and it's like oh yeah. that was different and interesting you know and, and it, it, it does it yeah. but learning about the emotional content of the song it does make me wonder like you know, for her to just flat out talk about this with somebody after she experienced this 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 trauma, yeah. it, it might have been too hard for her to express that way. And and this is an amazing way for her right. to inject all that emotion and put it out this way, and then make other people cry. <laughs> well, and and if you think about the fact that so, um, what what you're feeling as meandering like comes straight into focus every time we get to the hook. Just mm-hmm. a little green. Yes. Nothing nothing surrounds that. It is the same melody every single time. So she could go anywhere she wants to go, but as long as we get there, every single time we hear the chorus, I think that that grounds the song. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I love how the chorus ties things together like thematically Mm -hmm. and just the contrast of the verses you've talked about specific versus universal right the verses are so specific and really paint the story and then there's this magical lift to this other world in the chorus where now it's a metaphor or a simile and it just feels like another world and then we're back to just the most specific feeling like signing the papers Mm -hmm. things like that and then back Mm -hmm. to the magical lift so that contrast is really cool yeah. And if you, I mean, even like, like modern day people who are revered in kind of the Americana music, you know, Jason Isbell or Mary Gaucher definitely borrowed from this style of songwriting. So this like detail list oriented thing. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really effective. Yeah. So um, it, it just brings to mind, we, we had a guest um, on the podcast just, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Sybil Ray. She's a local Toronto based singer songwriter. Um, and she, in a lot of ways, she has the same kind of approach to melody, mm. like very expansive, very not, not, not sing songy in kind of a nursery rhyme type of way, like 
like that that reaches these interesting different unique places and yeah <clears throat> yeah it's 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 not that anyone doesn't do that anymore but like like we were talking about um earlier like you know like modern songs like it's just it's almost a default that you just you you rhyme every line at the end and right, right. and the same number of syllables and the same number like you want consistency right. consistency structure 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 and yeah. and I, and and i fully admit i'm i'm kind of brainwashed in that sense i want to hear that <laughs> Right, right. You know, and and I don't dig it when you when you're not doing that. It's like, yeah. where are you going? Do you like? This? Um, have you heard Madison Cunningham? No. Oh, I like her a lot. You should check her out. She's okay. kind of like a new. She's the a new new thing, and she's really great. Great player, great singer, great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Really interesting melodies. Super, you know. Well, I mean, and, and again, it's it's the sort of thing where. It's it's easy to get used to a song that's highly structured. It's not as right. easy to appreciate a song like this. It does take a few right. listens and and someone like you, Susan, to analyze the bejesus out of it <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 notice all the wonderful details in it. Because now, because yeah. even when we listen to it again now, I'm like okay, now I'm appreciating it more. Yeah. Um, just just from what you had said about it, and and again, nice. just hearing it you know, for now, like probably the fourth time now. Yeah. 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 It's starting to grow on me. It is starting to grow on me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, yeah, I, I liked it from the first time I heard it, but now there's a new appreciation knowing the the internal rhymes that I also did not notice Mm -hmm. the first two listens. So it's really cool. And I'm thinking of just a little green. Imagine that was the tagline at the end that would feel much more resolved. Right. But the fact that it ends with there'll be sorrow does give it yes. this so much more mm. unresolved feeling yes yeah, yeah. totally Absolutely. yes i agree yeah yeah there was Pretty a lot well. of tension in this song actually it's not it's yeah. not resolved at all <laughs> right right yeah amazing okay let's move on to your second pick susan and this one of course is much more sing-songy <laughs> <laughs> i know all those things, all like, those things it rhymes everywhere you think it's right. going to and, 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 and not say this better or worse but it is it, it and undeniably it is easier oh yeah Way, it's way easier to access. Like, okay, I'm snapping to it. I'm grooving to it. Yep. It's, it's all good, yep. right? So, okay. So, why don't you line this song up for all us? All right. <laughs> so, so I have chosen The River by Bruce Springsteen as my second song to talk about. And I think, you know, so let's talk about Springsteen in general. Mm-hmm. So, Springsteen, you know, you there. It, it's almost like there is a, there is a, um, a codex or or some kind of like there's a glossary that comes when you start listening to Springsteen music. You know you are in blue collar America. Um, you know that you're in a land where um, the factories are closing down. The worker doesn't need what he has. You know the worker's not making enough money. Um, there's usually a girl. Um, there's usually a car. There's usually some highways involved. Um, And so, but I want you all to remember that before that happened, Springsteen was the first one to do all of that. Now it feels like, well, of course, of course, there's a road and a girl and, you know, but he was the first one to kind of capture. And also, I think really, maybe not the first one, because certainly like, you know, the guy who wrote about the Dust Bowl, whose name I can't now remember, you know, spoke for the common man. But I really think for the 80s, Springsteen and late 70s, 78 is kind of when this came out. You know, he spoke to 
a group of people in the United States who felt that I don't think they felt like anybody was talking to them. So Springsteen really spoke for a generation of blue collar people who felt like they didn't, their stories weren't being told. So super cool. I also chose the song because like Little Green, this is really based in a personal story. Now, I don't always love sto- love songs that are based in personal stories, but I think that um, for songwriters out there, here are two songs that are very, very personal for the artists that wrote them and were also very successful when they were released. So I, I think, you know, for a lot of people who are trying to like write you know, I'm going to write a story, story about like climbing and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, even though I've never done that before. Like I, I would say, <laughs> if you can write what's close to home, because I think you know. that you'll yeah. feel it more and it will be more authentic to you. And people can tell the difference between when you're singing and writing authentic, authentically and not. So yeah. this is a song about Springsteen's sister. So she is the Mary character in the song. Um, but so the story of the song, it's a story song, first person story song. And um, as far as like song form, it's a verse chorus. So, and it has a bridge, but the bridge is actually super interesting. So we're going to talk about the bridge in a second. But so in the story song, it's about a guy who um comes from a poor town and he takes up with a girl named Mary which is important and we're going to kind of talk about that in a second and um they met in high school and then she gets pregnant and then he like essentially you know they get married he starts working in a factory and they both become disillusioned with the world that's pretty much the story of the song and um so the fact first of all i love the idea of the concept of writing to a metaphor as your main theme so the song is called the river and the river plays a major role in the song throughout but symbolically i believe that the river because of a lot of things in the song the river symbolizes rebirth. It symbolizes a kind of baptism. It symbolizes nature in a, in a, a place where, where work and um, uh, the factory life is really important. Then we have this beautiful nature thing that people can escape to. It also symbolizes youth and movement and flowing, things flowing. So it's really interesting what happens to the river in this song. So as far as rhyme scheme goes, it's it's what we call through written, which means that it's not a rhymed couplet. So it doesn't go da 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 star, da-da-da-da-da-da bar. That would be a rhymed couplet, matchy matchy, like wonder bread. You know, they like line mm-hmm. up the pieces match. But it has through written, which means it goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da 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 da, and that second and fourth line rhyme every single time. So I come down from the valley. I come from down in the valley where, Mister, when you're young, they bring you up to do like your daddy done. So we have that going throughout. That doesn't ever change in the verse. 
Um, me and Mary, we met in high school when she was just 17. We drive out of this valley down to where the fields were green. And they go down to the river and into the river we'd dive. Oh, down to the river we'd ride. So they these two young couple, they go down to the river and they dive into the river. Once again, baptism, rebirth, nature, right? Then in the middle verse, we go, then I got Mary pregnant and man, that was all she wrote. And for my 19th birthday, I got a union card and a wedding coat. <sighs> for me, that is the coolest part in the song because I'm like, oh, he could have just said, I got Mary pregnant and then we got and then got married and I got a job. But he doesn't say it. He says, and for my 19th birthday, I got a union card and a wedding coat. That says I had to get a job and we got married. But it doesn't say that. And I love the fact that like Springsteen always does a really good job of like implying what the story is without saying it, which I think is fabulous. Mm -hmm. And another thing that Springsteen does, which I love, is his verbs are really, really, really good. If you listen to Thunder Road, the verbs in Thunder Road are amazing. But in this song, he goes, um, we went down to the court. So right after, like, I got a union card and a wedding coat, we went down to the courthouse and the judge put it all to rest. Ah, that's such a great way to say that they got married because it implies death, right? The judge mm. put it all to rest. He didn't marry them. It's not like he said the judge and then the judge and then with the judge, we said, I do. That would have been a lame thing. That would have been okay. But, you know, the fact that the judge put it all to rest, what do you put to rest? You put to rest like something that's going to be that's going to be dying. So it's this beautiful kind of hint of what's to come. And then he goes, no wedding, no wedding day smiles, no walk down the aisle, no flowers, no wedding dress. And that night, this couple, new, newly married, go down to the river and into the river we dive. Oh, down to the river we did ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he gets a job working in construction for the Johnstown Company. But lately there ain't been much work on account of the economy. Now all them things that seem so important, well, mister, they vanished right into the air. Now I just act like I don't remember and Mary acts like she don't care. So we're like, ah, oh, you know, right. It's an, it's not going well. These two young people who were so alive and, and vibrant and, and flowing right with creativity and potential in their life are now stuck in this marriage. And then we change tempo. So it's a bridge, but it's the exact same chords as a verse. But suddenly we stuff it with more words. So it feels like the song speeds up a little bit and gathers a little more energy and momentum. And the lyric goes, but I remember us riding in my brother's car, her body tan and wet down at the reservoir. Notice car reservoir. We're suddenly in rhymed couplet. We've okay. gone from through written to rhymed couplet. And then uh, at night on them banks, I'd lie awake and pull her close just to feel each breath she'd take. Now those memories come back to haunt me, highest part in the song. Memories come back to haunt me. Really like it's it's angst filled, right? They haunt me like a curse. Is a dream a lie if it don't come true or is it something worse? Ah, <gasps> that for me. So, that's a really deep 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 thought, right? 
he could totally have put that in the chorus because it's a kind of statement thing. Mm. But then it, I think it would have felt so intense and and like heavy handed. But by putting it in this bridge, sneaking it in at the end, he gets the deep, profound meaning of the song kind of tucked in right in the back. Then after this fast moving bridge that's with the same chords as the verse, we go back to, he goes back to the river and the lyric goes, that sends me down to the river. So uh, is a dream a lie if it don't come true or is it something worse that sends me down to the river, though I know the river is dry, that sends me down to the river tonight, down to the river, my baby and I, oh, down to the river we ride. So we have a character named Mary, Catholic, Virgin Mary. You gotta, you gotta kind of, you can't not pay attention to that. Baptized in the river, married, unhappy, terrible job, terrible prospects, stuck in a life, and the river dries up. So for me, the idea of like taking the song from kind of like potential to desolation at the end is really effectively done. Now, unlike Joni Mitchell, Springsteen is not a great melody guy, not a great mm. chord guy. I mean, it's like we're not finding complexity in the chords. No. We're not really finding complexity in the melody either. But what that does by writing a simple melody and a simple chord structure, it allows the lyric to step forward and be the shining star. And, you know, so I, I love this song for all those reasons. <laughs> Why not? And yeah. Um, Sherry, any thoughts there? Um, yeah. I, I just love the line. Is a dream a lot? Is it a, mm. is a dream a lie if it don't come true or is it something worse? And it just clicked while you were talking that the sentence kind of continues. That sends me down to the river. I didn't make that connection mm. before. Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, yeah, because structurally there it's very separate. It's almost first into chorus thing that, that makes it seem structurally like it's a separate thing, but but it's cool that it's that that that's indeed connected. Yeah, I I I would I would even say he he's maybe not as unique and interesting a melody writer, but certainly hooky not about hookier, but certainly hooky enough that it's memorable. And especially with the, especially like you say, Susan, with the simplicity of the, of the first two choruses, we went down to the river and the river we dive down to the river we did ride and without any, you know, it's not, it's not very profound. It's just setting up the metaphor, right? right. And, and right. you read into it what you will. Cause I mean, the river as a metaphor, I don't know how overdone that is. I can think of now three songs at least <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> Sure. They use the rivers and for completely different metaphors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, there, 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 there is that. Um, but um, yeah, but just a, a like just a solid song because, like, like you say, the, the chords are very simple. The melodies are simple. That doesn't make them bad. Right. But you know, it it, it really it really sticks with you. Okay, shall we take a listen? Sure. Let's do it.
Okay, that's The River by one and only Bruce Springsteen. Great pick. Another, a 1978 fade out. Um, <laughs> <could all> fade <laughs> right? Who does that? No one fades out anymore. Um, so another thing that's just really interesting, which I, I have never noticed, but I'm always interested in like point of view. Because I'm, mm. you know, it's like, how can this story be told and what is the point of view? So I've always thought this is like, you know, first person, I'm telling you a story, right? But what Springsteen has done, which I didn't even realize, is that there's a person that he's talking to named Mr. I never even realized that. I, I have come from down in the valley where Mr. when you're young, Mr. There's somebody he's actually, there's a person that he's assigned to be the, the, the audience. The mm-hmm. listening, which I think is really interesting and also a way to kind of really make the song intimate. Mm-hmm. And true. he does that again. There's like a Mr. Um, There's a second Mr. in there. Yeah, yeah Mr. They the, vanished the right into yeah, the Yeah, right? Yeah. It's so it's very like conversational and folky, folksy. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I had never I'd never noticed that until now. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, listening to it now, the bridge is standing out even more, I think, as my favorite part. Like, right. it's just, it also sticks out. It takes us out of this story in the right. same way. And it's so much more emotional. And then, right. yeah, just the, the whole message of the song is really contained in there. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that line again. And just, it seems like the curse that he's referring to is just that hope knowing how good it could have been and those good memories mm-hmm. it's like a curse to to know that and now to have lost it and exactly. going into the river now that exactly. it's dry but still going there it's even worse than just going to a place that's dry going to a place exactly. that was once exactly yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. right there's a, tra- there's a tragedy to the whole thing oh. <laughs> yeah. and so both songs have this sense of like regret <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I chose two songs of yeah. longing and regret. Right. <laughs> but but the di- the difference with the Bruce Springsteen, of course, is they're very sing songy. Yeah. It almost could have been a more positive lyric, but it's it's clearly not. And and the bridge the bridge is really 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 cool and and emotionally wrought. Um, but of course, the context, right? The, the bridge would not have that impact had we not. You know, had the first meeting, had the the right. the wedding in the courthouse, had the job where he was not quite satisfied. All these little things that are not quite satisfying, and then come to their culmination, right? Um, in, in 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 that in that latter part, where where again, you know, most people would probably put that that heart of the song into the lyric and into into the chorus rather, mm-hmm. right, right, right. But he well, chose and- to delay it until a little bit later, so you can get a little more meat on the bone. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's, that's a lot of stuff to put into a chorus. <laughs> the right. stuff he's got on that bridge. Right, right, exactly. And I think it would have been so heavy handed. It would have been yeah. so like, don't tell me the, you know, like, <laughs> it's also, you know, I think it's important to note it's written in E uh, natural minor. So it is written mm. in E minor. I think it's, I don't know if it's E. Yeah, I think it's E minor. But, yeah. you know, so that's it. So it's definitely in a minor place, always, mm-hmm. you know, from throughout so that i think is also kind of like you know obviously i guess weaving a little bit of sadness through that because we yeah. always resolve to a minor chord as opposed i, to I, I guess minor. but for for me it's the it's the the occasional couplet rhyme the yeah right i know i know i know songy yeah. nursery yeah. rhyme type of melodies <laughs> yeah. like they're very very yeah. i don't know it's just it's just but again i mean i think for a lot of songwriters that's kind of a default Mm-hmm. Like you're going to do that whether you have a happy lyric or a sad lyric. You don't 
many songwriters, especially beginning songwriters, I mean, not the Bruce Springsteen, the beginner songwriter, but, <laughs> but a lot of beginner songwriters don't consciously think about the, the, the unification between the melodic content, the chordal content, and the lyric and the story. Right. 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 They. I mean, I, I. I'm a victim of that from from when I the first few songs that, that I wrote. You know, happy bouncy music, dark dark lyric. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's something also really beautiful about that. You know, I we were I it's I'm in a duo and we just sang um uh uh the song in my life, not in my life, the one that goes and heaven knows I'm miserable now. I was looking for a job and then I found a job and heaven knows I'm miserable now. The Smiths. And it's the Smiths. Oh yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And so that's like a happy, like you're like, Whoa, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. he's miserable. Oh, the Smiths are brilliant at this. <laughs> right. It's so good. Yeah. It's like, it's like sad. It's like you're, I, I think of it as like you're skipping gaily through a minefield. Well, you and, know? And, and a part of it, I mean, I did this actually with our, with our songwriting challenge last year because I, I, I was, I was going to a deep place, a dark place emotionally. And I, mm. I went out of my way to say, I'm going to make this upbeat and I'm going to make many of the melodies a little bit. The, the melodies actually kind of pointed down in a lot of places as well, just to reflect that negative energy of the lyric. But the whole thing was a little more feel good than the lyric would suggest. And that was deliberate in order to like, in order to like sort of remove the curse. Right. I mean, you got yes. sad lyrics, sad music, sad melodies. You can yeah. like really, really depress your audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. The contrast is nice sometimes and it gives yeah. an added complexity to the song. If a song is not just one emotion, right. The more right. that we can, more emotions we can give to it, it can give it. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 yeah, which is which is amazing, especially when you when you investigate a song and you're like, okay, you're bopping along to it's great, and then like you know years later you actually you know really investigate the lyric. I'm like, man, this is a sad song. I had no idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so true. When I for me, like when I'm writing, uh, I always you know I think it's very easy or no, it's not nothing's easy, but it's <laughs> it's uh it's it's sometimes uh easier to access the sad part than it is to kind of wrench it into something different but i have to say when i'm writing a song i always in like the beginning when i'm starting to write it i'm like let's just try this like 20 bpms faster what happens mm. when i do that to the song or what happens when i make it like even 20 bpms faster than that and we're like a rocking song mm. and does the is and they those songs that song at 76 BPM or 120 or 138 are all different songs. They might have mm. different meanings. They they have the same title, but they might have a different um a different slant. Um I, I've done this with my students where I'm like, I took a hook like watching the rain come down, right? And so initially we wrote it as at 76 BPM and it was like a blues song. It was like watching the rain fall down. It was like sad and there was a piano and upright bass and that. And then I like changed the tempo to like 120. Mm. I was like watching the rain fall down. What does that mean? And it was like, oh, it's about the students were like, it's about purification. It's about like, whoo, I'm just getting, I'm leaving all that stuff behind. And I'm like, yeah, I'm watching the rain fall down because it's going to cleanse me. And so it became like this happy song about leaving the bad stuff. And then the instrumentation for that was electric bass, electric guitar, uh, synth, 
electric drum. So it was like a, this total like pop confection. And then we sped it up to like 138. And it was like, okay, at that tempo, watching the rain come down was, uh, I think it was like a, um, it was a little bit of the same thing, but it was more like, um, uh, I'm leaving, I'm leaving a man behind. So it was like, I'm just, you know, he can cry and I'm watching the rain come down. Cause I'm not going to like, I don't care. He doesn't, he can cry all he wants to. And it was a country song that like, you know, was obviously had like pedal steel and all of those things. So same title, different tempo, totally three completely valid songs. Mm. So there isn't one right way or wrong way, but I think for marketing purposes, especially if you're trying to get songs cut by other artists, it's a lot easier to get a mid or up-tempo song cut than it is to get a ballad. Mm. So, you know, from a purely like, you know, financial point of view, it's, it's, it's a good idea to take a title, even though you feel it's sad, and see whether it can exist at a, a faster BPM and have an equal life there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it kind of for me. It's kind of like, well, what do I want? As what what do I want the song to be? Right. You know, do I want it to be super sad? Do I want it to be somewhere in the middle? Do I want it to be happy? Right. Do I want, you know, and and just doing it with intention is all. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's cool how you mentioned the the songs transform kind of into different ideas. So part of it when I'm writing is I sometimes don't know what the song is, right? So there is sometimes a lack of intention where I'm figuring it out. And yeah, it reveals later what it wants to be, how fast mm-hmm. it wants to be or what it's about. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's like I, I'll end up, uh, God, I was writing this song. I don't know if it's the one I played when I was on your guys' show, but there's a song I wrote called Blackbirds. And yeah, I was that, like, that was the one. Oh, it was. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, I was based on the nursery rhyme of four and 20 blackbirds. And I just wrote, wrote and wrote and wrote. It was like a Leonard Cohen song. It had like 45 <laughs> verses. <laughs> and I wrote like all the blackbirds. There were literally 24 blackbirds. Every single blackbird had like a thing and a name. And a, oh my God, what the heck? And I hated the song. <laughs> like, this is like a terrible, I've done a terrible thing to this really cool idea. And it was actually, I guess I needed to write all of that blah, 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 to be able to throw it all away and just keep the lines that really meant and like actually giving the song space. Mm-hmm. But I think I needed to write, I needed to write, yeah. you know, whatever the, the whole, the whole series to get to like whatever the, the haiku was that it ended up being. Yeah. So and sometimes you need that. You need to take the song to its extreme in one direction to, to only to find out that that's not the right direction. And that really, right. that really uh, pulls you in the right direction and, 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 and sort of illuminates the right direction to go into some yeah. kind of process of elimination. Almost maybe we can't, we can't do this. We can't do this. Okay. This must be the right way. Then. Right. Right. And yeah. isn't that such a painful and awesome experience it, it while be. you're writing it? Aren't you just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Especially if you save those earlier drafts, like you record them and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, man, what was I thinking? Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so it's true. true. But that moment when it clicks is really good. Like I remember writing some song where I was stuck on the verses. I kept writing these horrible verses and then something switched in my brain. I realized it's a chorus. What I've been trying to write as a verse actually makes sense as a chorus. So that mm-hmm. moment is just so nice, but yeah, it's really painful to get there. Sometimes. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually revisiting a song I wrote more than 10 years ago um, wow. now, and I, and I never finished it. 
uh, so to speak. And and listening to it again, I was like, man, that's a bad chorus. It was just the melody was clunky, and the, and it's, I literally just jettisoned the entire chorus, rewrote it mm-hmm. with a much more concise, um, catchier, more more centrally focused thing. And mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm happier with it. I haven't decided yet, but I think I'm happier with it. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah. it's interesting to have have sat on a song for so long, and it's like, how can I re put some new energy into this thing and, and make it something better? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think I'm trying to think of like, so I wrote this song one time that, um, you know, I liked the chorus. But the verses were all like, I don't know. I, I didn't believe it. And if I didn't believe it and I'm the songwriter, yeah. nobody else is going to believe it. I was just like lost. It was so metaphorical. I don't know what I was saying. And I, I normally, because I kind of work hard on my songs and when I finish them, I feel like I've finished them. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't usually go back and revisit it. But this mm-hmm. one, I was like, dang, that chorus was really good. And I really didn't do it justice with the verses. And so I kind of sat back and I normally write the the melody while I'm writing the words. Like those are the most mm. successful ones where that's kind of going along at the same time. But this one was like, okay, I hated what I did for the verses. And I was like, what do I really want to say in the verses? And I was like, I really want to show some visuals. So I just wrote these like super visual long lines that rhymed at the end, but they were really interesting and kind of different. And then I was like, okay, I got to put a melody to this. And I liked it so much more because it was, it was visual. It told the story better. It supported the chorus better. And then the chorus could be all like, you know, it had a hook in it, but it could be a little more metaphorical because I'd put all of the, what we call furniture. I'd put, I'd furnished the verses really well, I think. So, yeah. Cool. Nice. Cool way of looking at it, furniture in the verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How right. like that? Okay, I think um, I think that's about all the time we have. Um, it's been it's been a great conversation, and, and so glad you could uh, bring those songs to our attention, Susan, and for our listeners too. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard them, I'm sure many of our listeners have already. I'm like sharing that. Um, and uh, so, a special thanks uh, to Susan Catania. Where, where can our listeners hear more about you and your music? Um, susanmusic.com or Susan C. Music on Instagram. I actually have a, a new single coming out, hopefully in June. Oh. And I'm so excited. I recorded it with a string quartet. Oh, wow. Ah! Oh. And it sounds like a James Bond song. And it's oh, cool. really, I'm so excited about it. So <laughs> it's called Elegy. Elegy for America the Beautiful. It's a little mm-hmm. political, but that's okay. Uh-huh. Sounds like a protest right. song, right? <laughs> maybe. Maybe maybe a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we want to hear from you. So please send your comments on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to at Song Talk Radio. Or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes. Subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And you can find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on the show on our resources page. And wherever you are in the world, please join us online via Zoom at our next Song Talk meetup. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend the meetup, bring a song and a lyric sheet, and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. And uh, stay tuned. Uh, we will be returning to the Transac in downtown Toronto very soon uh, for the return of our in-person meetups, as it was uh, in the before times. 
Um, but uh, for anyone who's not in Toronto, do not worry. We will still be running uh, online meetups as well. We're going to be doing a hybrid model there. Uh, you can follow me at neilmodi.com. Uh, Sherry, where can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, you can find me at sherryjacoby.com and also sherryjacobymusic on Instagram. Awesome. And, uh, and Susan, your, your favorite social media platform, I'm guessing, is Insta. You were just you mentioned Insta. <laughs> yeah, Insta or Facebook. Yeah, those are the two places you can find awesome. me. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to stop by the website, songtops.ca, to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and keep on writing.